Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Awesome, that's, uh, that's wonderful. So I'm going to go find out who's working for the state. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing, Anton. Yeah, um, let's be praying about which mission you want to join. That's exciting. Okay, great stuff. It's a privilege to share the word this morning. And... Uh, yeah, we uh, had a great time with some leaders this weekend and really expectant for what God has prepared for us as a church family this year. And uh, yeah, He is a good God, isn't He? And we can rely on that faithfulness. It's, uh, it's just amazing that even when so many other things you know, let us down, that the faithfulness of God has is, is never let us down. And uh, there's so much in creation that ministers, that ministers that to us every day. His mercies are truly new every morning. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's such an you know, important thing that in the, in the midst of so much negativity around us on so many levels that we choose to lift our eyes to Him. That we choose to fix our hearts on who He is. Let's just take a moment to pray as we get into the Word. Father, we're so thankful for your presence here. We thank you that already you are ministering to us so powerfully. Already, Lord, we, we can experience you at work, Holy Spirit, in our hearts. And we thank you that we have this privilege through the blood of Jesus to boldly come. And that you have made this way for us. So each of us come, Lord. We are in different places, maybe in our faith and in our hearts and what's going on in our lives, but we look to you. We all look to the same God. We look to you, Lord, as our answer, as our, the source of the very life that is in us. And as we just dig into your word this morning, Holy Spirit, breathe on us, Lord. Speak life over us, Lord. Quicken us, Lord, body, soul, and spirit. And let your kingdom come in our lives this morning, Lord. And maybe we be transformed to be more like Christ in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So last week, uh, Philip was ministering about, you know, having our faith for, faith for this year. And, and, you know, that's so powerful, that concept that it is indeed possible for us to please God with faith. But without faith, it's not possible. But with faith, it is implied that it is indeed possible for us to please God. And um, I want to encourage you to listen to that message if you missed out on that. Um, and to, along with us, to say, Lord, what, what am I trusting you for this year? Um, I'm always challenged, you know, there's, there's so much around us that wants to put a ceiling over our heads in the matter of speaking, of, in terms of what is possible and what is, what is realistic, right? Uh, I'm just challenged more and more daily to say, Lord, I don't want... I don't want to sit with this thing over my head that's limiting what you want to do 
in and through our lives, in and through us as a congregation, in, in and through the body of Christ in our nation in such an important year with the election coming up. Let's not limit God to what He wants to do in our nation. Amen. He's done so many miracles in the past. He's delivered us as a nation so many times. He's so many times turned us around on the brink of, of disaster, and He will do it again. Amen? So let's enter this year with that, with our eyes on Him and our faith in Him. That is where our hope is. Not in uh, maybe the blessings that we receive, but ultimately our hope is in who He is in his character, in, in the fact that he, he, he describes himself as he is love. Amen. He, and he is faithful. So we put our faith and we put our trust and we have our hope in, the, in who he is. And along with that, we know that he has good things in store for us. So I want to encourage us to get rid of the, the negativity, get rid of the ceilings that want to press down on you and really press into what he has prepared. Uh, at the end of last year, we chatted about, you know, looking back on the year. I want to actually start w again with one of those verses that I read. Um, that we, that like David, that, that we actually, that we speak to our souls. You know, we, in the times where we might feel a little bit overwhelmed by stuff that has to happen this year, that we can speak to our soul and, and say, but you need to remember who it is that you put your faith in. So I just want to read Psalm 103, bits of it now again. Um, apologies that the template that I used jumps a bit back and forth. So, Yaku, hang in there. Okay. Psalm 103, bless the Lord. So, now he's, he's speaking to his soul. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says, For, do not forget. Because we do that sometimes. We do forget. Bless the Lord, O oh my, oh my soul, forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. This is who He is. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will, he will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Let that sink in a little bit. Let's go on. That's where you have to skip again. Next one. Yes, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great it is, is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He, does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust we are fragile. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower for the uh, of the field. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness 
your children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And if, if you find yourself sometimes, you know, looking at the realities around you and saying, oh, there's so, there's so much happening, it's necessary to stand still and to speak to your soul. I mean, even if you have to do it every morning, if you have to speak the scripture over your soul, say, this is who God is. Remember, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget who He is. Do not forget what He, what he has done. If you have to do this every morning for a year, you know what? You'll be changed. <laughs> you will be transformed. His mercies are truly new every morning. And I believe there's, a, there's an invitation for us. And it, this is not a, I don't have the scripture up there. I'm just going to read it uh, from here, Matthew 11 and I, I spoke to one or two people in the last week or so and and it's you know there's there's things that we we are trusting God for but there always there's always one or two things that we're a little bit apprehensive about and um uh, actually one of the great conversations we had this week was about how there's so many demands on us whether it be from family or from work or Everything, everything together. There's so much, and uh, actually, I'd, I want to I want to read the scripture. But before that, just give you a little bit of context. So the conversation was going about how do we, in the in the seasons where life is demanding so much of us, how do we keep on serving God as we did before? How do we stay on track with just basic spiritual disciplines that? that we have in our lives as believers, as disciples? You know, how do we manage, how do we juggle all those balls? And I mentioned the, uh, something that I, I saw in a teaching. There was a, a Q&A session. I think that it was one of those famous theologians. I think it was Dallas Willard, potentially, possibly, might, might have been him. And the question that he was asked, he was, it was a young guy. They had, they had an 18-month-old and they were expecting their second child. And he was, he was asking a question that many of us parents have asked and he asked this guy said how how do you do this that when you are in this season where things are crazy and you've got nappies and you don't sleep a lot and there's kids coming and there's babies and you know there's so many demands on our time how do you manage to juggle all of that and remain disciplined as a believer in the spiritual disciplines you know serving in church and discipling people getting around to small group and Doing your thing, you know, as a part of the body of Christ. How do we, how do we do that? Which is a valid question, amen. And uh, I was so challenged by this guy's answer. Um, I will just paraphrase it, but he basically says, he said, the thing you have to ask yourself, and maybe this is a good question to ask ourselves at the beginning of this year. He says, the thing you have to ask yourself is, does God ever give us too much to do? Right? Would God give us too much to do? And then obviously then you think, oh, that's very spiritual, you know. And then, but then he qualified it, but he says, yes, you know, you need to be willing to make time. And I want to challenge us to make time. Maybe this, this month when we are fasting and praying, maybe this is one of the things that you can make time for in that month. You need to make time to sit with God and wrestle with God about all the things that are on your plate, right? To say, which of these things are truly from you, God. What are the things that you are entrusting to me in this year? 
So I've got all this stuff, demanding my attention, my resources, my faith. But which are the key things that you are entrusting to me? And what are the things that I should be setting aside? What are the things that I'm spending a lot of time on and energy on and faith on that maybe God is saying, no, that's not for this season. Are you with me? And then he, he made a good suggestion. He suggested to that young man, he said, keep the 18-month-old. Don't throw, don't throw that out, all right? Hang on to the, <laughs> the child, okay? But go and wrestle with God about all the things that you are trying to juggle and wrestle with God. So, Lord, what are you entrusting to me in this season? Because, and this is true, I believe God will not give us too much to do. So I want to encourage you to have that wrestle with God at the beginning of this year. So, Lord, all of these things that are crying out to, my, to me for my attention and my resources and my faith and everything else, which of these do I need to set aside? And what are you entrusting to me? Where would you like to me to serve in this local body? Where do you want me to serve the people around me? What is the, the stuff that is really of eternal significance that I need to be putting my faith into? Or we as a family need to be putting our faith into? Are you with me? And then I feel this invitation for us um, in Matthew 11, from verse 28. Jesus speaking, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sorry, it's not on the screen. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a wonderful invitation. And then he continues, don't forget the laws, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you are here and you f find maybe at this place you do not have rest for your soul, then I believe this invitation is for you. It's for invitation is for all believers, but specifically if you're finding maybe you're anxious about something, maybe you're experiencing stress about something, I believe, or maybe there's too much that you're trying to keep in the air, I believe this is for you. Take my yoke. And that's interesting because it doesn't mean that there's no yoke, right? It doesn't mean you're going to veg on the couch for a year. That's not what God is saying. He says, but take my yoke. In other words, what have, what have I prepared for you? That's what you should be having on you. That's the yoke you should be carrying. And for that yoke, guess what? There's an abundance for every good work. Amen? There's, um, he says, not only... Do we find rest for our souls when we yoke with Christ? But we learn from Him. We op learn to operate from a place of rest. We learn to operate in a dimension that is different to the, the fleshly dimension that we are sometimes struggling with so much. And I want to extend this invitation to say, take His yoke. All those of us who are weary or heavy laden, all those of us that have got so much that we're juggling, take his yoke. Amen. To first we come to him, and then we take his yoke, and we learn from him, and we find rest for our souls. And his yoke is all about his kingdom coming. Amen. His kingdom and his purpose and his will in your workplace, in your family, in your relationships. 
in that place where where you live, wherever you find yourself. What does that mean? What is his yoke for you and I? Amen. For us as a congregation, what does that look like? And this is why we're fasting and praying in February to say, Lord, show us. We're consecrating ourselves and we say, Lord, let us throw off any other yoke. Hallelujah. I don't have time or energy or weight for, or, or strength for anything else but what God has prepared for us. Are you with me? So that's my introduction. Um, if you're juggling too much or you're feeling like there's too much on your plate, have that time of wrestling with God and, and take His yoke upon you. Amen? So that's homework. So next week I'm going to ask, just give me a short, brief summary. <laughs> probably won't ask, but please make, make work of this. Hallelujah. So uh, the Lord has just showed me a couple of things, and I just feel I want to maybe just mention a couple of places in Scripture where, where people responded in faith to what God was doing. And, I, and I'm trusting that each one of us will be able to identify, um, because God knows exactly where you're at. Amen? He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows what you're anxious about. He knows what you're excited about. He knows what you're afraid of. And I believe He wants to meet each one of us in that specific place um, to encourage and to stir faith in us this morning. All right, firstly, um, there's this account here of, uh, of the of Gehazi. And um, let's read it quickly. Second Kings chapter 6. And when the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, to, said alas, my, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Such a powerful moment. And I, if you find yourself in a place where you may feel overwhelmed by what is ahead of you, maybe you you thinking, yo, this is... This is too much. The, the, what is it required of me this year? This is, this is, I'm not sure if, I can, if I'm up to this task. I mean, because this was happening right there. There was this overwhelming force coming against them. And this guy was, like most of us probably do, we were looking at the facts, right? We were staring at the reality surrounding us. Wow, this is hectic. This is, this is probably, I'm not going to make it. And I, I believe that's what God is inviting us into this morning, to lift our eyes to Him and to say, Lord, show me what you see. Show me what your perspective is of my situation. Maybe you're in a space where there's, there's, a, there's some steep mountains lying ahead of you this year. Maybe there's some things that you, you're kind of putting your head in the sand about because you don't want to think about them because you're not, not going to know how it's going to happen. I believe this is for you. And he says, Lord, open our eyes that we may see. That we may see that, that those who are for us are more than those who are against us. Amen. That he that is for us is greater than he is in the world. He, um, 
that Christ in us, the hope of glory. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to pray that bold prayer. Say, Lord, open my eyes. And again, if you need to do this daily for a couple of months, then do it daily. Say, Lord, let me see what you see. Let me see what is that, that you have put there that is for me, that is greater than everything that's coming against me. Amen? And similarly, in uh, Matthew chapter 14, Let's just, yeah, let's just read the, the whole bit here from 13. Now, when Jesus heard he, this, he withdrew from there in a boat and did, to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them. So he, even though he wanted to spend some time alone, he had compassion. And he healed their sick. Um, and he was ministering to them. And it was 15. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages to buy and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Okay, that's, that's a bit of a short notice arrangement right there. If, some, if there were like 5,000 plus people and Jesus says, hey, no, don't worry about it. You make a plan. And uh, maybe some of us feel like that. It's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you know, this is... I might have felt God saying something, but clearly Jesus got it wrong because the sums don't add up right now. You know, maybe you had a conviction about something in the end of last year. Maybe God is stirring something in your heart. You think, this can't be because there are 5,000 plus people here. I've, I, don't have, I don't have money or resources to feed these people. Maybe God is stirring something in your heart and somewhere the sums don't add up. Amen. You, and I believe this is invitation again to lift your eyes. And he says, it says, um, they said to him, we, we, we only have four, five loaves here and two fish. Basically, somebody's lunch that his mom packed for him, right? That little boy. And if you find yourself in that space where you're looking at what's in your hand and God is stirring something in your heart, you think, Lord, but this isn't, this isn't going to cut it. This is barely enough for myself. This, how can, how will I be able to, do what, you, what you're laying on my heart. Is this really from God? Can it be? Because it doesn't add up. I want to encourage you that as you bring that little bit to the Lord, He's going to do absolutely incredible miracles in your, as you are faithful what He has put in your hand. Faithful with that, what He has put in your hand. Are you with me? So then He says, uh, bring them here to me. And you know this story. He says, then He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the, then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. You know, maybe the disciples also had that challenge of, well, this is barely enough just for me. But they were handing out to others before they were feeding themselves. And afterwards, how many disciples were there? Twelve. How many baskets? Twelve. So God knows. I mean, He knows what you need. So when the sums are not adding up, I want to challenge you this morning. Look beyond the sums and say, Lord, what is it that you are asking of me? Maybe it's to pray for people at your workplace. You think, Lord, there's so many. Where do I even start? This is an, 
This is such a huge task. Just start with one. Maybe God is challenging you to share just or to just start reaching out at your where you're staying or where you're exercising. And you're saying, Lord, there's so many. This is so overwhelming. I, I don't know where to start. Just start with one conversation or with one coffee or with one prayer. Just start with that first step and, and remain faithful and and trust that as you are being faithful, as you are being obedient with that small thing that you have in your hand, that God will do the miracle. Are you with me this morning? So maybe that's the space that you're in this morning. I want to challenge you. Bring that thing that you have. Lift up your eyes. Allow the Lord to open up your eyes to see what He sees. Or maybe you're in the space where Peter was. And just after this, they, this is also still in Matthew 14. Um, maybe in this space, but um, Peter was here, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately he made, up, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and saying, this is, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Maybe in this, in this stormy season, <laughs> and God is uh, telling you to, to not be afraid. And then Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I always always think of this, and I think but that must have been one of those moments where Peter thought, what did I just say? You know, when you say something and you immediately think, oh, my good. Can we just <laughs> rewind that bit? But maybe you're in this space where something is stirring in your heart and and you're asking this question, is it God? Is this God speaking to me? Is this, is this the voice of the Lord that I'm hearing? Is this what He is saying to me and my family? You know, Peter is saying, Lord, if it's you, <laughs> maybe you're in that same space, Lord, if this is you, show me a sign. Give me a confirmation. And I want to encourage you that when God is speaking and, and you're not sure, then ask, yes, Lord, show me something. Or if it's you, okay, Peter's, um, Peter's was a, this was a make-or-break sign that he was asking for, right? Lord, if it's you, let me walk on the water. Hallelujah. But guess what happened? He says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw that when he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took him hold of him, saying, Are you of little faith? Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So maybe even in the midst of that stormy place where you are trying to hear the voice of God, and you're wondering, Lord, is this you speaking to me? Is this, can this be God speaking to me? This is a, this is a massive step of faith, or this is a, a huge shift in my life, or maybe you're praying about a, a, a work, changing, change in work, or cha moving, or whatever. I want to encourage you to engage with Him. Say, Lord, show me what your will is. And if that means you need to step out of what's comfortable and step out of what seems safe and step out of what 
you know and step out of the place where you feel safe, then I want to challenge you. There's no better place to take a step of faith than in the direction that Christ is calling us into. Amen? And then let's learn from Peter. Let's not, let's not put our eyes back on the waves and the wind, but let's keep our eyes on Christ. Let us keep, even as he's calling us into what seems impossible, into what seems difficult, into what seems like this is not going to happen, I believe there's grace for us to walk in obedience to what he lays before us. Are you with me? So maybe you're in the space that Peter's in. I want to challenge you to step out. Yes, it might mean discomfort. Yes, it might cost you something. Right? In fact, it probably will. I almost can guarantee it. So stepping out in obedience always costs us something. Sacrificial obedience. Faith. Stepping out in trusting God. I found there is a provision for every good work, but the provision often comes after the first couple of steps. Isn't that strange? It's not before. Sometimes we wait for the provision to come before we start moving. I found very rarely does that happen. Most of the time, the provision only starts coming when we've already started stepping out of the boat. We already have one leg out. Right, we're already starting to step out on the water. Then the provision starts to come. So step out. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Okay. Let's go on. Or maybe you are in the space where there's some parts of your life that feels like there's just drought. Maybe there's something that you've been praying about for a long time and and you haven't seen any any change. Maybe there's an area that you're trusting for, or there's a thing or a person or something that when you look at it, you just see death. And I believe God wants to minister to you in that space as well. In Ezekiel 37, uh, this, we, see, we see Ezekiel having his vision, and he says, The hand of the Lord is upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Just dead, dry bones. And led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. There was no life there. And he said to them, said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Doesn't it God do that sometimes? When the, in the space where we feel most discouraged, it's as if the Lord says, Do you believe? that there can be life again in this area. And I love the way he answers. He, he's quite d- diplomatic. You know, he's, like, he's noncommittal. He says, um, I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. So maybe we're at that place where we're saying, okay, Lord, I'm not sure actually. I don't actually know whether there can be life again in this area or in this person's life. Or maybe that person you're praying for at work and you're thinking maybe this is Maybe this person is beyond the saving grace of God. Is it possible? And he asked, a son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, oh God, you know. And then, I, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. 
and I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. In that place of impossibility, in that place where you have given up hope, there can't be life here anymore. He says, I will put life into that again and I, and you will know that I'm the Lord. So he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh came upon them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of breath and breathe on these slain, slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I believe if, the, if you're experiencing that place where the, there's, a, there's an area where you've lost hope for, or maybe a person that you're praying for, maybe a situation that you're wrestling with, I believe that, that God wants to give you the words to prophesy over the dead areas. Amen. I believe some of us, we maybe you've given up hope, or maybe you're so discouraged that you're not even praying about it anymore. But I believe that God wants to give you the prayer or the scripture to pray, to prophesy, so that there will be life again. And can you see that there's not just a bit of life, it's, there's an abundance, there's a, a mighty, exceedingly great army arising. Something that is awe inspiring, that is. Amazing, coming out of a dead valley of dry bones. So if that's you in this space, this, if you're that space, then I want to encourage you, pray those dangerous prayers. Say, Lord, give me the words to prophesy. I've lost hope. I've been discouraged. I haven't been, I haven't been praying for this for a while, maybe. Say, Lord, show me what to pray, and I will pray. Give me the stir of faith in my heart so that I can prophesy over that dead part of my life. Amen. Are you with me? And some of you need to respond to that somewhere right now at the end when we pray. Because the discouragement will come back. Amen. Don't postpone it. Say, Lord, show me. Give me that word. Give me that scripture. Show me what's on your heart and I will prophesy it. Because you know what? The, the Lord did not ask him. To give the life. The Lord just asked him to pray and to prophesy. It was not up to Ezekiel to make the bones live. It was not up to Ezekiel to manufacture something or make it happen or really work really hard. He just had to be obedient with the word that God gave him to speak. Hallelujah. And then just finally, I don't have the scripture up there, but there was a, let me just find it here quickly. This is where Elijah um, Elijah prophesied that there would be 
drought, uh, there wouldn't be rain. There wouldn't be rain for three years or something. I think it was three years. And then at the end of the three years, there was this massive showdown with the prophets of Baal. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it for you from here. But the point was that the Lord brought this massive victory, defeated the prophets of Baal. And then there was the, there was the time to, for the Lord to send rain again. Because that was what was prophesied, that there would be rain again. And, and then, um, but then Elijah still had to pray. Firstly, he had the promise of God that there would be rain again. But he had to pray that into being. All right? So he had to, and, and I want to say, what, where is our expectation at for God's faithfulness in this year? What, maybe there are promises that you are praying into. And I want to encourage you pray them into being. So Elijah, let's re- I'm going to read from verse 41. Um, 1 Kings 18, I think. 1 Kings 18, if you want to follow. From verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So there was nothing. There's no rain. There's no. It was just drought for three years. But he knew God is going to be faithful. So he already said, it's, com- it's coming. That was his, what was his expectation. That was what his expectation was. Amen. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees, and he started praying this thing into being. And he said to his servants, "Go up now, look towards the sea." And he went up and looked and said, "There's nothing." So he said, he sent him to go and check: Is there something happening? You know, are there any clouds on the horizon? Are there any thunderstorms on the way? You know, that's so beautiful when you see the thunderstorm and it's still miles away, but you see, okay, the rain is coming, like, like this weekend, right? So, um, and he said to him to go and check, and there was nothing. Uh, and then he said, go again, and, he s- and it's seven times. So he was praying and praying. How often do we, after the second time, we think, oh, maybe, maybe I got it wrong? Seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. I don't know about you, but my faith is not there right now. I wouldn't get excited about a cloud the size of a man's hand. But Elijah knew this is it. Because there was nothing for three years. And he knew when it was, just give me a cloud the size of the man's hand and I will... Take that as the confirmation that God is doing what He promised to do. And I trust that God will put our hearts again in that place where our expectation of Him is such that it will only take that small cloud on the horizon and say, you know what? Let's read what I'm saying. There was a cloud, um, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. In other words, it's not going to be a drizzle. This is going to be serious stuff. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to, to the entrance of Jezreel. That's one of those interesting little bits there. That the, the hand of the Lord was on him in such a way that he outran the horses and the chariots. Anyway, that's a sermon for another day. 
But may the Lord put our, our expectation of Him in such a place that when we see that small crown, we can already say, God is doing what He has promised He will do. And that we will not stop praying, amen? Even though there's nothing for three years, even though there's nothing on the horizon for seven times, six, six times, that we would continue to pray. In a similar way, you know, when the, when the widow came to the prophet of God and said, Lord, I, I'm going to make our last meal. Oh no, there, there was this guy um, claiming the money that her husband owed her and the prophet said to her, but go and find some um, jars and that little oil that you have, pour it into the jars. Do you remember that account of the miracle that God did? And, and he said, go to your neighbors as well. Go get jars as well. And it's interesting because when the, she started pouring the oil, it didn't stop pouring until the last jar. So the miracle was 100% dependent upon her expectation. How many jars did she collect? And I believe that's for somebody this year. That God is sending you in a new direction or He's putting something on your heart and you have to prepare. You have to open up a bit of capacity for what God is leading you into. But I believe God is, is challenging us not to think too small. Amen? So that when we are putting our trust in Him, when we are putting our expectation in Him, when we are praying for souls to be saved at our workplace or in our city, or when we are trusting God for a, a godly election, that we would not think small, but that we, we would extend our faith to the God of the impossible. Amen? So that when she was gathering jars, as many as she, as many as she gathered, the Lord filled. I, wanna, I believe that's for somebody here. Maybe it makes sense to you that you need to trust, trust God to expand that expectation that you have of Him. Let's stand this morning. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.